It's Cecilia and Megan. Let us distract you while driving, cleaning, working out, or not working out. Actually, what in the dang heck? Just grab some wine and chill. It'll be like eavesdropping in a girls' night, all wrapped up into one. currently holding baby Carrie, so she's a little muted for a sec, but we're super excited about this because we're all on Zoom, and when I mean we're, it's Megan, Carrie, Austin, the godfather, and me, the godmother to Carrie, so we're all just chit-chatting on here, and we are going to talk about all things manly men, so Austin, you want to say some some words of wisdom, uh, a fresh high, who you are? Well, you've already said I'm Austin. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, it's exciting to be on this now infamous show. I've heard so much about it. So to be a guest on it, and, and I don't know if I'm your first man, but I'm excited if I am. Uh, but the one thing I will say is it's the first time I've been on a, a sh- any type of podcast or show or anything where I've been introduced as Austin. So I appreciate that. I do have an actual name. Um, but uh, more importantly, <laughs> what? <laughs> It's because they, okay, so he's the face behind the basic Catholic on Instagram, like the biggest Catholic Instagram there ever has been. Well, besides Bishop Barron, and I like the fact that you say the face because, you know, what a face it is. But uh, <laughs> more, more importantly, I just am excited to, to be on the show. I think you should call it the Godparent Show because this is pretty special. <laughs> uh, for those that probably know, maybe, I don't know what Megan said, but I was unable to make it to the baptism of Carrie. So I'm literally the worst godfather, but... Uh, your, uh, your little certificate of being a godfather is on its way, though, so... Oh, look at it's that. Official. It's officially it, official. You did nothing, but here's your certificate. <laughs> Sounds like high school, but... Uh, <laughs> In, rea- in reality, it's just exciting to see you guys. And if anything, I, I think it'll be a, a fun experience because we all seem to laugh quite a bit when we're together. So it's been too long. So I'm excited. Yeah. Austin's also one of my best friends. And I think we talk multiple times a week. So he's one uh, of the only- You have to tell everybody about yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I go- Austin's one of the only people that like, no matter what the hour he calls me, I'll probably pick up. They're very minimal people that I will do that with. But Austin, I'm like, mm, might be important. Most of the time, it's not very important, but I'll still pick up. But lately, it has been. <laughs> We're going to keep that to ourselves. But um, Austin, I called him yesterday, and he calls me back, and he was like, did I call you? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, I thought I, I meant to call you. And I was like, no, I was calling you because I thought we just hadn't talked in a few days. So I, and I was on multiple phone calls. My job, unfortunately, keeps me on the, on the phone all day long. And I, something popped in my head. I'm like, I haven't talked to Cecilia in a few days. So I was going to call her after I got done with that call. But during that call, Cecilia called me. So then I, I yeah, I was confused. I'm like, did I call you? <laughs> I have lost my mind lately. So it would be. Yeah. It's, it's being 36 stories up. It really gets to your brain. It sure does. It's a long elevator ride, if I can speak. And, okay, so. The, the, I don't know if I can say this since you haven't necessarily uh, addressed the topic, but I think of myself as pretty manly for the most part, but I, where I live, I'm the only person on my floor currently. So all the apartments are open up here. And uh, I was showing my f- a friend on FaceTime one of the apartments and I walked in and a mouse or a rat, something ran right by me. And I was like, nope. 
<laughs> Shutting that door. <laughs> and all night last night, I was talking to my best friend on the phone. I was like, uh, is it going to come in here? What if I have a Chrome or something that I don't know is on? He goes, if you can't see it, you're good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> if you can't see it, then it's not like they're there. Yeah, no. Like, they're not going to come all the way down the hall for a Chrome. <laughs> a, wait, a Chrome or a Chrome? I don't know. Chrome, Chrome. I don't know. You decide. Crumb. Well, Austin and I actually grew up not too far away from each other, but the first time I met Austin, he flew me out to the Philippines. So Which sounds like some type of sex trafficking thing, so let's be real. I <laughs> used to be part of a company. That's a weird story if you don't like put the content in there. But uh, the content was I was uh, running an organization and we were doing an event, or we were at an event in uh, the Philippines in Manila, and it was me and another guy, and then another guy was coming over. I'm like, I think we need a female. Oh no, there's gonna be four of us guys total. Yeah. We need a female representation so it doesn't look like the dude club. So I, I called Cecilia Brandomly from the Philippines because I'd already been there for a few weeks. I said, hey, what do you feel about coming to the Philippines for a free trip? And she goes, done, okay. I'm like, when, next week? Sure. <laughs> and actually, I think I was in California when you called me for Megan's wedding. And that Another was, thing I missed. Yeah, because we would have been together. Megan, I've been a bad friend to you and Avery, I apologize. We would, she's like, she's over there dealing with Carrie, um, but we would have been together then. So that would have been really cool. But yeah, Austin, you're the best. Um, and that's why we're like, we need to have him on for Manly Men because he has a natural quality to him that um, cultivates almost uh, community for men and sets standards for men and calls out BS for men. So we were like, he's perfect. But I want to jump into some heck yeses and heck noes. Megan, what is your heck yes? Why would you do that to me? I just, <laughs> okay, um, my heck yes would be um, Avery and I found this new restaurant here that we actually really like, which is like hard to come by. We typically only eat at chain restaurants here because we know what they're going to serve. Um, but it's called Pokey Pokey Servicheria. Good. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't even know what kind of food that is. <laughs> okay, well, it's like, um, you. it's kind of like a Subway for your own rice bowl with like, I Austin say, gave me a look. Started off with Subway, I'm like, oh, starting out strong. <laughs> Classy. Pokey, Pokey bowl. Yeah, but it's P-O-K-I, so is it not pokey? <laughs> they have such good, like, salmon, and they have, like, the shoyu chicken, and you put it on, like, rice and sesame seeds and edamame, and it's so good, and we've eaten it, like, twice in the past week, so that's my heck guess. <laughs> I don't know about you, Cecilia, but I'm a little offended that we didn't get that while we were there. We didn't know about it! We got BJ's. I'm kidding. That was good, though. You've never had a pizuki in your life. Until I don't know what then. that is. What? What was that? You didn't. That was cookie skillet. No, I did not have a cookie skillet. No, Austin. Austin was on the phone the whole. Austin was on the phone the entire dinner. Oh my gosh, I get accused of that all the time, and it's so true. <laughs> you can't even say anything about it. There's too much photographic evidence. <laughs> Yeah. Remember when Father Claydar, we went on that vacation, that week vacation up in Maine, and he posted about his vacation. It was just pictures of me in different places on the phone. Yeah, it was a collage of Austin on the phone. My job keeps me on the phone. It's not like I'm on personal calls. <laughs> okay, every time I call you, you're on a personal call. Austin, heck yes. What's your heck yes? Well, first of all, we're in the Advent season right now, coming up on the big Christmas coming up. So, I mean, this is everyone's favorite time of the year, beyond presents. Um, and it is 
always a special time. Uh, the other thing is, I think with COVID being such an annoying thing for us this year, knowing that there are vaccines making their way out there is pretty exciting just to know that people that need it will have it. And for those that are against vaccines, that you don't need to take it. Megan, she for sure can't hear us right now. So she, <laughs> no, I love, she's so preoccupied. It's so, oh my gosh, so funny. No, I definitely agree. Like I know they're rolling it out with health, healthcare workers right now. We'll see. I, I'm curious to see if they force the military to take it, but um, yeah, we'll see. I just, happens. as a veteran, I just got an email from the VA telling me I'm eligible to receive it and we'll have them soon for us. So I'm excited about that. Dang. I understand people's issues with vaccines, but for me, I'm taking it. I don't, I don't want to, I'm sick of wearing this mask. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I'm like, are you going to have to show a certificate of vaccination so then you don't have to wear a mask? Yes. It's actually, they tattoo it on your wrist. Oh yeah. Good. It's like they brand you. <laughs> totally. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't pass, put it past the government at this point. Especially a certain government, but I won't go into that. <laughs> Austin has a past in politics. He also has like, what is it? Seven years of formation in six. the priest six years of formation in seminary so when his heck yes started with well it's advent season i'm like this is so priestly um, it's 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 the problem is we have even as catholics i think so many people rush over advent and go right to christmas i'm that way with christmas music i had a party this weekend we were all social distanced no we weren't but i invited only priests and i invited only priests because they've all had covid so i figured i wouldn't get because <laughs> they already had it so just worried. I love that. And, and where are, you're living in St. Louis? Yes, I just moved here from California, Orange County, uh, which is pr amazing place, as you know. Um, you did visit me once, technically. Um, <laughs> that, that was actually an interesting period that both Cecilia and I lived in California together for a period of time. That was it's interesting. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, just, yeah. we just, saw each other every weekend. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I introduced you to some good food. Mm -hmm. There's Pretty this yogurt place that Austin's obsessed with. Tell me it's not the best yogurt you've ever had in your life. It was pretty good. Okay, it was pretty good because it's in Santa Monica and you're like looking out in the ocean. Yeah, but the stuff itself, the flavor, it comes directly from Greece. That's pretty amazing. And it's healthy yogurt. It's not like crazy. But anyway, yeah, I just moved here to St. Louis. Um, loving it. It's definitely one of the most Catholic cities in the country. From my, my uh, place, I can see the Cathedral Basilica, which is, I mean, amazing. And that's my parish. Whenever I would come through St. Louis... Um, over the years, I would always, always make sure I stopped it there. And to be a parishioner there is pretty exciting. So I go there and there's two other places I go on the weekend. So I'm excited. So, yeah. I love it. I just have yeah. no friends. That, that's the weirdest thing. This is only the second time in my life I've lived somewhere where it's hard to make friends. And the first time is because everyone was like really towny. And if you didn't grow up there, they didn't really have time for you. Here, it's because it's COVID and there's no way to really meet anybody. I did go to an Opus Day event last week and I met two guys. That was pretty awesome. But yeah. I have no uh, worries that you won't find friends. <laughs> An Instagram post will help you find friends. No, I have lots of people messaging me that they live here in St. Louis and we should get together, but. It's overwhelming. That gets overwhelming and it's also a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, because they see you as a character instead of just organically meeting someone. Yeah, all, all three of us have that in common that people want to meet us when we go to places and I don't mind doing it. My mother is horrified about it, but uh, <laughs> she's a, a worrying Jewish mother, but no. I know I'll make friends. It's just, it's been difficult because I've been here now five weeks and, or six weeks. I've been here six weeks. Um, and I'm also not here on the weekend. So that makes it difficult too. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're always traveling. Um, okay, so my heck yes is actually that I get to see um, good friends, Austin, on New Year's. He called me up and he was like, what are you doing on New Year's? I'm like, I'm going to be home. He's like, well, you should probably just come back because I'm going to invite myself over to the Lennonbergs, which is like Mary and Jerry. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. I'll switch my flight. I'll invite myself over there too. Yeah, we have a whole thing going on now. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Megan, sorry, you're not um, going to be Next there. Year. Send Next us a year. cardboard cutout and we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I have one more heck yes, by the way. I just yeah. remembered. That's okay. That's allowed on the show. Allowed. So allowed. Yeah. I know right now in the mail is Matt and Elizabeth Marcolini's Christmas card. And if you've never gotten a card from the Marcolini's, you are missing out because their Christmas card is the most epic thing I've ever seen in my life. Yep. It's uh, like, don't they do like the stamp and like they get hand their lettering? Cards hand, their cards are made for them from a uh, uh, stationary company. Not It's like this bougie, like little town, but makes amazing stuff from Ireland. I don't oh know what Ireland, but Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> that is so Elizabeth Centaur yes. Magalini. It yeah. is so her. Wow, now I want, I hope I get one. Come on, Elizabeth. We'll see. They're, Maybe I'll make the list. That last, they said last year's, I, when I got it in the mail, it was nicer than any White House Christmas. It was like, what is this? This is ridiculous. It was like, it was like a cardboard. It was crazy. And I, they said this year, I talked to them last night because I'm using their Peloton app. Uh, no uh, sign-in information, but uh, um, they told me, Elizabeth said last night that this year's is whimsical. Whimsical. I'm so excited to get it. Well, when I was at the White House, there was like displayed all the last- Hold on, hold on. Everyone, did you hear that? When I was at the White House- Shut up. (laughs) When I was at the White House, all the past president's um, Christmas cards were displayed. And I really liked Ford's, but all I'm like, mm, some of these, like a lot of the presidents use the same artist, so they looked very cohesive. But like one of the bushes, so ugly. I'm like, Austin, how could you work on that campaign? And it, yeah, I was like, this card is so ugly. It looks like it looks like the Vatican nativity scene. Okay, now you just took my heck no. <laughs> okay, Austin, what's your heck no? Well, now that you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> it is what they're calling and referring to as a nativity scene that is a piece of crap and an example of modernism continuing to seep into our church. You know why it's, you know whose fault it is? The Italians. Veganos. It's Veganos. He, when he was put in charge of the money and when he uprooted all the scandal in the church, he cut funding for the nativity scene and decided that different Italian towns can then create the nativity scene every year. And I think three years ago, there's a Lego one. Like he cut funding for it because it was too expensive. <laughs> and so technically my, it's Vigados. My assumption was, because I've seen beautiful nativity scenes is they have one nativity scene, just put it out every year. Yeah. It's too expensive to put out now because my friend worked, she was the sister that worked for him as the assistant in Rome and he cut funding. He's I know, but don't they just frugal. have one? Yeah, but it's so expensive to put out, I guess. It's like I don't I don't I didn't That's totally understand that. Event. Yeah. And so they have a different here, I'll have a suggestion. It. Contact somebody that has money and say, Can you please give the money or to right. the nativity scene or to have it put out every year? hmm I guess uh I guess vegano and I, I don't know if people are into church politics or the women and men that listen to this, but he grew up pretty wealthy I guess but he's super frugal and um so yeah he 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 really weeded it out so just get someone to give some money and be done with it 
I know. We we got, it looks like spaceship. It's inappropriate. It's awful. And you know the reason why they're so like divided, like they're not up close next to each other is why they wanted to socially distance them. Or, what? No. I'm not that's kidding. like the that's like the nativity scenes in Europe and stuff that you see with the masks over it. And you're like, that's unacceptable. That's my heck no. Wait, I did not they socially distanced the Go world. back and look at it and see how far apart they are. I'm disgusted. Are they apart? I'm disgusted. I wanna know who yeah, it's just I don't wanna get it I wanted this to be fun and happy. <laughs> the opposite of most of my day. And uh, and really just showcase the goodness of the church, but this is something that has to be called out. Heck no. Heck no to the nativity scene. I know I had people over after Latin Mass Sunday and we were all ranting about the nativity scene. Um, Sounds very Latin Masser. Yeah, everyone's like, and and Taylor Marshall said this. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Um, my, wait, Megan, what's your, your heck no is the nativity scene? The fact that they put masks on a nativity scene somewhere in Europe. I don't remember where, but Probably yeah. many places in Europe if we're being serious. Probably yeah, many honestly. places here if we're being serious. We just don't have nativity scenes here anymore if we're being serious. So, <laughs> so we don't really have Well, I've got a lot masks. of crap because I live in the tallest, I'm in the highest uh, place here and I don't have a Christmas tree. Oh, I'm not I would cheap. give I crap. tomorrow and I'm gone until like the 10th of January. You can get a fake one. It spreads Christmas cheer to the whole town, Austin. That's it's a city. That's one thing okay. that everyone gives me crap for, but I'm not buying a fake one because I have nowhere to put it. Oh, and you don't have 15 foot window. When I'm not here, like when it's over, no. Christmas is over and all that. There's no storage? There is. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> for those that don't know, I'm a convert from Judaism, so. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't buying a Christmas tree if I'm only here for like two weeks. <laughs> He's not that committed. <laughs> He's not that committed to the Christian spirit. <laughs> I love Christmas trees. And luckily, I, I'm a, I can look right now. I'm looking at one of the largest in the city. Look at that. Mm, look at I, that. <laughs> look at that. Like a 20-foot one downstairs. So. Dang. Um, okay, so my heck no. Guys, I forgot my heck no. What did I say? You wouldn't tell us. You want it to be a surprise. Yeah. Well, now I freaking forgot what my heck no was. I think you're well, heck no to write everything down. Okay, guys, I forgot my heck no. And my heck no is that I literally didn't write it down. So therefore, I don't remember it. Because that's actually how my brain works. And I have a pen here. I have paper here. But I didn't write it down. And so now I'm just like, anyways, um, we're just going to jump in. We're going to jump into all things manly men. But first, let's chat about Catholic Company. Megan, they literally sent us the most beautiful. They're like, okay, pick out Christmas things, and then we'll send it to you. And that's like the best news ever. It was so fun. Our whole house is Catholic Company decorated now. Uh-huh. I have like- very, They're a very good family. They are. They're awesome. And I believe their son went as Navy. I think he went to Naval Academy, or at least is in the Navy. I believe so as well. Yeah. Um, they're over on the East Coast in one of the Carolinas. In North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Such a great family. And they pretty much have like the empire of all things Catholic goods. Like oh. I have the most beautiful nativity scene. I know Megan, you also got one. Um, I'm just continue to get compliments on it when I post it on Instagram. Same I way. think Jordan got it too. 
yeah, my best friend Jordan also got <laughs> it. Like everyone's getting this nativity scene. It's so beautiful. And I have like um, a holy family statue that's so cute. It's like behind me somewhere over there. What? They've only sent me one book, which I was very appreciative of. They're good family. <laughs> 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 I'm choking. <laughs> but you, you can That's use doing me. <laughs> you can use code heck for 50% off all orders forever. Use code heck. It's seriously all like they actually just sent me a candle that smells like baptism. Wait, yours smells like baptism. Mine smells like Christmas time and evergreens. Wait, that's what it smells like. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, because I was thinking the prism oil, but what okay. oil does it smell like? I just think it smells like evergreen trees. Oh, it smells so good. We're going to have to find a photo of it because I yeah. want to get this candle for every single person. Anyways, use code HECK for 15% off. Catholic Company is the best. Um, find them on Instagram and everything will be linked in the show notes. Okay, so Megan posted on our IG, like, what constitutes a manly man? And then I also asked, like, okay, what are specifics that you, you find in a manly man? And Austin, I think you can talk about this, although you have never been married and you live your life as a chaste man, but as uh, a man... Uh, every man should live as a chaste man. That's true. Celibate man. Celibate man. There we go. Um, but leader of the family, I feel like that's number one of like what constitutes a manly man. Yes. And in that way, I, well, technically I'm the leader of my family because my, my stepfather died. So I'm technically the leader of my family. I make that known to everyone in my family as much as possible. <laughs> and what is, wait, what is define like leader of the family? Leader because the family Megan is- would say that a manly man is actually just equivalent to a godly man. Yes. Cause leader of the, I was just going to say a leader of a, of a family has one job, get your family to heaven. Yup. That's your job in any relationship, but more importantly in your specific family is to get your family to heaven. That is the priority. And that's also your priority in any relationship in your life from the being a stranger that you say, uh, that you meet in the elevator to the person you work with. Those, those, your, your job is to get those people to heaven. And that's, that I say would be the ultimate goal and uh, duty of a man. Yeah, I feel like there's a divine obligation there. Absolutely. We lose sight of that sometimes what about how important it is to get people to heaven. And I think most people, especially people, well, people of faith, seem to know that their role is their number one role is to get, you know, your family members and that to heaven. But I think people forget the role of the stranger or the the coworker and that and that is a big part of it as well. And it's the hardest part a lot of times. Yeah. And it's hard. I, I will say this. My family, as, as I mentioned, I'm a convert from Judaism and my family's not Catholic. I've known in my family is Catholic. I spent six years in seminary and around 12 years in that world. Um, and my family knows that I do this stuff and knows it's important to me. Um, but it's, it's easy to write off what your family members are doing, what they think, because they're your family members, you've known them forever and it's that. But so I, as much as I think it's hard to be a, um, an evangelist, to the world, it's, I think, even harder to your family, especially if they're not in the same faith as you. Yeah, true. Well, and some of the other things that they said were defends the innocent, defends woman, and upholds their worth and dignity, and is grounded in good and true values. And I think all of those things go back to being a godly man. Absolutely, because your number one goal is to, is to your, it's, imagine it this way. Think of it this way. Here you go. You know, you go on a plane, they give you the announcements and all that stuff, and they say, with the, the mask, help others before you yeah. help, help yourself, excuse me, before you help others. So as a yeah. godly man, I have to be a godly man first 
to be able to put the mask on other people so they don't die on the plane. Right. No, true. Well, okay, but some people have said a manly man is not determined by what he wears, which I can understand that sounds like superficial and like a shallow aspect of what a godly man is, but this whole conversation kind of stemmed from the Harry Styles Vogue magazine shoot. Which Did is you see complete that? abomination, him wearing a dress. Yes. Yep. A hundred percent agree. I remember seeing like one direction on all those like fun, you know, teen bop, whatever magazines. And now I'm like to be on the cover of Vogue. Are you kidding me? So the thing is, is everyone's wanting to be, you know, this new age, everyone's just doing whatever. It doesn't matter. You can wear a dress, you can wear makeup. We see a lot of these young, especially young male uh, actors, celebrities doing this. It's not Harry Styles doing that is not unique. Right. You can start looking at all the celebrities right. who've worn dresses or done things that are definitely not in line with what it is to be a man. I will say that we have, there's a little bit of truth, I think, but very slight about having not necessarily saying that you have to do this to prove that you are something. I think that is something that we have to be real. That's, that's a problem, but you have to understand your dignity comes from how you give, how you present yourself. Part of your dignity as a man or as a woman even is how you present yourself. If you have no issue going out to the grocery store in leggings or whatever they're called and tight and looks inappropriate, like you're going to go, I don't, yeah. Yep. Shows you, know you don't understand your own <laughs> dignity if you're, if you're putting yourself out there for people to see. Also, as a man, it is not appropriate because it causes people to sin. And I'm not going to go any more into it. You know what I'm talking about. You need to present yourself in a way that does not make you look like you are for sale. If you may, if you may. <laughs> I mean, no, it's sure. true. It is true. There but, is such thing as modesty for men as well. well for men, but I also want just because you have a lot of women listeners is modesty is a huge deal for, on your behalf because you are caught. You do not understand. It, it, I'm sure people know it to a certain extent, but pornography, masturbation, lust, all these things are very much a problem. I will, yeah. I will say I had a priest friend, very close priest friend, who said, we need to have two different lines for confession. I said, what? He goes, the pornographers and the masturbators in one and everybody else in the other, and there'd be nobody in the other line. <laughs> I mean, this is a huge problem. So when women dress away in a way that does not show their own dignity and their own worth and their own value as women, women are the most, women, the thing that I always find funny when people make fun of the Catholic church for being sexist, women are the most cherished in our church women yeah. are the ones who bring life into the world kind of like god to a certain extent not saying you're god mm -hmm. but you have that connection to give life to the world uh the the woman that we cherish the most the person we cherish the most is a woman so, yeah so women have that worth and that dignity that has to be upheld because it helps men not go down into a a, a deep dark hole where now they have Say, say, for example, say you have a man who's struggled in the past with lust and all the things that go along with that, and they finally are kind of making the way, they're doing well, they've went a few months, and they're really excited, and this and that, and then a woman's dressed in a way that reveals more than it should and is, does not show that, and then right away, he's back into it again. Mm -hmm. Yep. We'll never know it, because he's not going to, one, he's not going to tell you, probably doesn't know you, just somebody sees in the store or on the street. Right. We have to understand that value, but for men, I think dress, it's not like you have to wear, I think some people take it too far. You don't have to wear a tuxedo or like a certain suit with a bow tie every day. I mean, if you like that stuff, that's fine. But I think wearing slacks in a, in a collared shirt, even for this, I dressed up, you know, right. I'm, I'm in my, my place. I don't have, but I, even for this, I did. 
and yeah. I'm not even on, they're not even going to see me, but I think for you, I need to dress. Yeah. I could easily be in a t-shirt and just be good. But I think it's important if I'm going to go out in society, I don't, I haven't worn jeans in four years. I'm not saying jeans are bad. I just, I, right. that's out of my seminary experience. I just felt like people know who I am. They know that. And even though I don't, I didn't feel I have to wear clerics all the time, but I definitely had to dress in a way that I represented myself as somebody more than just some dude. What about the thought though, that, cause when I made the post and I was talking about how women play a huge role in men becoming manly men, I was still hit with all of the, well, Jesus wore dresses. What's Get the out difference? Of here. That's also like saying, it's called why tunic. Do we, why do we have to do this stuff uh, in mass? Because Jesus didn't do that. That, that. that doesn't even make any sense. That makes complete, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's nonsense. And also, St. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary would be wearing jeans if it was present day. Let's be real. So um, I just feel like that. I, I hate when people are like, well, Mary never showed her ankles in the images you see. So you shouldn't show your ankles. I'm like, this is so out of context. It's not even funny. It, that, that logic is illogical. <laughs> but but the thing is, we sh it's not logic, but like in today's culture and, and just like what's happening even right now, it's like, mm, we should be, it's like, why am I not numb to illogical people anymore? It still <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> like, the problem is that we have it. The, well, one, there's many problems, but one of the problems as someone with a master's in philosophy, I'll say is not, Nobody takes philosophy classes, logic classes, except yeah. seminarians and priests. And True. if you don't understand the way the world works through realistic understanding, not through your ideas or what you feel, everything in society knows how I feel. It's relative. Yeah, it, well, it's definitely, we deal in a, in a society of relativity that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Relativity and modernism, two biggest problems we're dealing with right now. Because it's not, who cares what you think or feel? If it's not rooted in, in truth, then it doesn't matter. Sorry, that's hurtful to some people, but it's just the truth. We have yeah. to understand at the end of the day, our feelings on things, while relevant to us, are not relevant, 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 I can't even speak, to the larger, <laughs> the larger world. No one cares. We have truth. We have all the things of the church as the foundation of how we should look at things. And if it's not in line with that, there's a problem. Because God is truth. God's truth. We have to follow him. And what he, under, that's, why, that's why as a seminarian, as a priest, they have to have eight years of school, six to eight, depending, but typically eight for most. And before you ever get a theology to learn about God, you have to take two to four years of philosophy. Right. So you can understand logic and reason and understand, well, yes, that doesn't make sense. How many things in the church don't make sense to you? A ton. But when mm -hmm. you take a step back from like what you've learned in society and all these things and understand just at the foundational um, truth, the world changes completely. As I said, and this is kind of an off topic tip. Oh, this is actually on topic for manliness. Growing <laughs> up, you would have never saw me ever step foot into an art museum. Never. Just didn't care. I mean, I, like, I understood, oh, that's kind of nice. But the more I became Catholic over these last decade plus, um, the more I understood truth and beauty, the more I was able to appreciate, not only appreciate, but love art. I, there's very few places I go to when I, we were stuck in pra, uh, Prada, Spain, lot, two summers ago, Prada, excuse me, and uh, for like a day. So instead of just like going to the hotel and just kind of chilling or walking around the city, we all went to the Prado, which is one of the most amazing art museums in the world. It was beautiful. Behind me on this wall, you've all seen it, this one right here. This is from the Chicago Art Institute. Cece, you've been to, the Chicago Art Institute's a, a building right there. It's, you can't miss it. I grew up having a, a membership to it. Yeah. 
Well, because of your family. My family didn't stop there. And it just never met. What I knew of, what I thought of as the Chicago Art Institute was that's the place that put Reese over the Lions or they put the Blackhawks jersey over the Lions. Or where the Vow movie was filmed. Yeah, like I never cared. As a, as a seminarian, I would take buddies from seminary who were from like Alabama, different places. I, every time we would go to Chicago, which was every couple months, we always went there and spent like half a day, always. And that's where I have this, this painting behind me of... Uh, a rainy day in Paris or a painting you guys have all gone on tour there's paintings all over my apartment right yeah that's what that's what matters that I, I understand that stuff I see things differently and as I I would consider a manly man being in touch with what is beautiful like I think that's extremely important he's not just like oh yeah like let's chew some tobacco and kick some dirt. Like that's not <laughs> what I consider a manly man. It doesn't make him not a manly man, but I consider a manly man that appreciates and can point out truth, beauty, and goodness. Well, that's also something I think that's important to bring up is the one problem I think we do have in our society, specifically American culture, is there is a misconception of what manliness is from a secular side. Um, and as someone that has spent years it, both celibate, but also um, spent most of my life. I was in the military for eight years. I've been in seminary for six years. I've been in very close proximity to just men, mostly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions, specifically in the military, um, on what a man is. Mm -hmm. Man is someone who appreciates his wife for more than what she can do for him. A man is someone who appreciates the time he can spend with his family and understands the importance of that. A man understands his primary role as if he's religious to get his family to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife is not an object. His kids are not a burden. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that I think is a misconception too is a man doesn't show emotion. A man doesn't bring up his feelings. A man doesn't talk about things that are, make him vulnerable. Yeah. That's, that's not true. Um, I'm able to, I, I joked la last night with Cecilia that it's fun, or no, a couple nights ago maybe, that it's funny that her and I are friends because I'm not, and Megan, I, we haven't talked about it, but same thing. Like I have a few, I have like a very small group of girls or women that I'm friends with because I just don't, there is, I can honestly say that there's, as someone who's in, and it's also difficult because I was in seminary for many years where it was, it was kind of inappropriate in ways, not saying you couldn't, but I had one vocation director in particular who said we were never allowed to do anything alone with a woman, like go to even lunch or coffee or anything, unless it was your, your family member. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about if I believe in that particularly, but I think as a seminarian, it's important to set, to understand those boundaries. And that's where it was always important to me to keep, it's very easy to emotionally connect to somebody. And I think even in infidelity and in relationships and marriage, that's one of the easiest ones to kind of fall down the trap is emotionally connect to somebody. So as a mm -hmm. seminarian and someone as a priest, I thought it was important to show those boundaries. Um, as, a, as, a, as a single man, I have no issues with talking to to women and you know Cecilia just recently tried to set me up with somebody so long story we'll talk about it later uh, <laughs> but, but I think that's important but I think the biggest thing aside from the the outward things like clothing things like that I think the number one thing is for a man to understand his relationship as a son of God and one of the things our society really has to come to terms with is so many men are walk a part of the walking wounded so many men because they were taught not to talk about emotions, not to deal with emotions, not to talk about your feelings, um, have been walking around for years, decades, and don't understand the wounds they carry from their childhood, specifically with their father. Um, yeah. One thing you learn quickly in yeah. seminary is every, I would say almost every man in some way or another is walking around with daddy issues. 
um, and ways that his father wasn't around much to be there with him and teach him things. A lot of fathers, unfortunately, are absent completely, like my father was growing up. Yeah. Um, and or a lot of fathers themselves, because they're wounded from their childhood, don't know how to show love to their children. Well, and yeah, they, they don't know. It's like, oh, well, my dad was just like that. Like, he never knew how to communicate with my mother. And then they notice that they are also like that. And so I feel like this is the generation of, like, self-awareness. And if we're going to rebuild the church, we must start with the domestic church, which starts with our own formation. Yes. I think that's a, 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 great, a great thing to bring up because it's, it's – I'm sure both of you have dated guys over the years um, who were – difficult to deal with sometimes and things like this and you saw these these issues within them and in yeah. seminary where everyone thinks everyone's perfect that's the number one thing you notice is these these wounded men because in seminary now we're really pushing you know dealing with your issues so you can be a priest for god and not have your own issues come through and be right. sometimes but um no i think emotions is the biggest place to start i think emotional baggage is one of the first if if a man can't tell his wife you know, I'm struggling with this at work, or this has been bothering me, or this. You're really, this is why we have so many bad relationships. Yeah. It's, not of, and it's not of their own fault even. I'm not saying, you know, but you have to recognize it. I have many wounds. It's one of the biggest things, I don't know about you guys, but it's one of the biggest frustrations I have is becoming well-known from a lot of, by a lot of people. It's that people constantly put me on a pedestal that I'm perfect, they got all figured out. It's like, yeah. you don't know me. You don't know the, do you think I tell you the days that I, that right. You know, Thanksgiving, I screamed at my family. I'm not, you both don't ever yell, but like right. I've been going through a lot of health issues lately out of the blue and just it's just been really hard and my family can rub me the wrong way. Even though like I'm excited to see my Christmas, <laughs> but they're like, are you okay? Cause I like, yeah. they, they, I was on the phone. It was so stupid. I was on the phone with the hotel booking a trip that for that weekend. And my family kept talking. And I said, before I got on the call, I'm like, can you guys be quiet? My Jewish family, extremely loud. And <laughs> And they all thought it was funny to just keep talking really loud as I'm on the phone. And I couldn't understand the woman to begin with. And I really couldn't understand her. And she kept saying, uh, excuse me, so what did you say? I'm like, uh, I, and I, I was, when I got on the phone, I'm like, why did you get <laughs> No, it's so true. Like people don't, it's not like you're flaunting your wounds. And that's not to say, oh yeah, I want to be perfect. I want to put out this perfect persona. Not at all. It's just because we want to keep things private. Like there are certain things that are not meant to be flaunted and are not meant for the whole world's ear. And um, it doesn't make you more weak. It just means that you want a sense of privacy. Yeah. And that's something too, like, for example, um, that's why I, for me, I, I try to run a little different account where I do talk about some of my flaws. I have mentioned the fact that mm -hmm. I was molested. That's not something most people say. I'm not. Right. And I, didn't say, I didn't say it to be like, oh, look at me, you know, poor me. I said it because I'm being honest with you. And I know there are a lot of people out there that have been through the same situation and think no one else has. So for mm -hmm. someone that they have put on a pedestal, they do think their life is perfect. I want it to be vulnerable in that situation at my choosing. And the right. response I received, I remember the one thing for my account, even I said, like, what's something in your life that you, that you really struggle with. The response I got like literally put me in tears that it was people. Cause again, it, I see who it is, who wrote it. And mm -hmm. I know these people, like we, I had professional athletes. I had other, I had all kinds of people saying stuff and it was like, it was, it's very emotional for them to be that vulnerable with me too. Um, and there were a lot of men that were vulnerable and it was very, very, very touching to see that. But I think of vulnerability emotionally and Another thing I would say that's both for men and for women, I think one of the best things, my last seminary kind of encouraged it. And I think that's probably one of the best things I did, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it uh, wasn't a great place. But um, 
was seminarians going to counseling, going to therapy. And yeah. everyone thinks they don't need it. I will say, I've said this a million times. It is the greatest thing you can afford yourself if you can afford it. It's not super expensive, but it is a, a cost. It's right. a commitment. To, and I went for two years straight every week. And at first I was like, ugh. And there were days I didn't want to go, but it helped me. And I will tell you a, a personal story. I grew up with not knowing my father. And my mom got with my stepfather when, they, when I was three. And he was the man that raised me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't stand them. Couldn't stand them. There were certain songs would come on the radio that reminded me of my father, who I never knew, didn't even know what he looked like. Um, and that would like make me emotional. No one ever knew. But I would like, I'd be like in a, in a Kmart, this is back in the you know, 80s. And I would like, like, it would like hit me. Um, and we didn't get along growing up when I grew up. That's why I went in the Navy, because he forced me to. I hated him for it. I didn't want to go in the military. My, none of my friends went in the military. They all went to college. I ended up having an amazing experience. And it's something that I cherish now. You have a very unusual military experience. <laughs> yes, I do. You finessed your way, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my last seminary assignment, um, the counselor I was with, she kept bringing up my stepdad. I'm like, I'm good now on that. I'm good. She goes, no, you need to deal with this. I thought it's still my dad. Like I, like I did meet my father. We have a good relationship. I gained, growing up, I always wanted brothers. I had two sisters. I ended up gaining a sister and two brothers at 21 years old. It was amazing. And I'm very close. I've been best man at both my brother's weddings. Um, pretty awesome. But uh, she kept bringing up my stepdad. I'm like, no, I need to talk about my dad. And she goes, no, you talk about your stepdad. My stepfather got cancer within that, that period of time. And a year after that counseling ended, my stepfather died. And he was somebody I had a very difficult relationship with. Um, and I will tell you for, for, a, you know, a man of my age, my experience, it's almost, it's a blessing that she brought that up constantly. We talked about it every week and it was annoying me. Cause I'm like, I don't need to go through him. I'm good. I, and I needed that to kind of heal some of those wounds so that I was somewhat prepared for him to die. Cause we didn't think he was going to die. They told him, if you're going to get a cancer, this is the one you want people that get this, they, they, they live to old age. They usually get it all. They were surprised how young he was to get it. Uh, my, my stepfather was a former professional heavyweight boxer. Like he was a big presence in life. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a child, he got out of a ticket, a speeding ticket, because the cop asked him, wait, are you? And he goes, yes. And he's like, oh my God, you're good. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, like he was in Vegas, like everywhere. But um, it, it, it really, really affected me. And it, it was interesting because this was this man that I, I had so many struggles with. Out of all the people who have died in my life, it's been the hardest because I will say like regret in relationships and how much you think you don't care for somebody. It, it hit me how much it affected me, that relation, that death. And it's still to this day for the first six months, I had a playlist from his funeral and I would play it every night in bed and cry. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the greatest regret I've ever had. And it's something that I really have come to appreciate those relationships more and realize how I could have done better. And one of the most touching things of the whole experience was under their bed, um, he had a safe, a personal safe. And my mom didn't know what was in there. And she opened it after he died. And he had two things in there. And one of them were my dog tags for being in the Navy. And I said to my mother in that moment, I said, death as in life, he kept his feelings how he felt in a lockbox. Yeah. And I think um that even goes into where it's like the feelings thing first of all thank you for sharing that but 
also um like the feelings thing like there's this culture where it's like if men say like i love you it feels like they're not manly and so there's i think just through working with women i see this but i assume it's very parallel to men is like actually fathers like there are so many people that have never heard i love you from their father and like mm. they those words are so hard and it almost it it's yeah it it's very common I will say I'm not a fan of country music, but one of the songs that will get me, and it got me even when he was alive, is the song The Greatest Man I Never Knew by Reba McIntyre. I, I think the root of a lot of problems that we, excuse me, we see with men and their feelings comes from their own family and those family wounds, specifically from their dads. Because our moms, typically most moms, love their children and show it. There are those that are the exception to the rule, but that dads are the ones out working they're doing stuff and there's always that 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 um expectation that the reason dad doesn't say it is because he knows you know it and he's busy and right. you know you know you know your father look no i don't never told me because yeah. just like in a relationship i've never been married but i'm assuming both of you like well, well megan you're the married one psych <laughs> <laughs> guys i'm married <laughs> you know, megan that, that avery loves you unconditionally right but right. you still don't hear it Right. Exactly. Right? Yep. That's one of the talks that I, uh, that I give when I'm out and about now that we're not giving it, we're out doing talks anymore, but I always use the, the, for confession, when I explain confession to people is, you know, yes. like, people go, why do I need to go to confession? I know God loves me and forgives me. I'm like, yeah, you do, but you don't. I said, and I always bring up couples. I said, you know, your husband loves you unconditionally. Yes. You know that if you make, if he, if you make him mad that, that he's going to like get mad and everything else and that, but you know, he loves you and he forgives you. You know mm -hmm. that. But as a person, you need to hear him say, or excuse me, say your husband does something bad, doesn't take out the garbage, does something really bad that you don't like, whatever, whatever. You know that he loves you and he's sorry, right? You know that. You know this man better than anyone else, but you still need to hear, honey, I'm sorry. And more importantly, he needs to hear from his wife, I love you and I forgive you. Mm -hmm. That's our understanding of confession. When Otherwise, there, you can't move forward. You can't. Right. Because even though we know it, as humans, we have to hear it. We have to like, have that tangible proof. Because it's become flesh. Correct. <laughs> what's, what's the lyrics that you're going to? The greatest man I never knew lived just, lived just down the hall. Every day we said hello, but never touched at all. He was in his paper. I was in my room. How was I to know he thought I hung the moon? The greatest man I never knew Came home late every night He never had too much to say Too much was on his mind I never really knew him And now it seems so sad Everything he gave to us took all he had then the days turned into years and the memories to black and white. He grew cold like an old winter wind blowing across my life. The greatest words I never heard, I guess I'll never hear. The man I thought could never die has been, gone, has been dead almost a year. He was good at business, but there was business left to do. He never said he loved me. I guess he thought I knew. Oh. I have chills right now. I have chills right now. And it's the thing about, it's the thing about, now I'm crying. 
it's a, I relate to that song specifically in the part where it says he never said he loved me. I thought he, I guess he thought I knew. And that was my stepfather. My stepfather loved me very much, but he never showed it. Mm-hmm. And we do need to hear it. Like as you could not be, you know, your, your love language could not be verbal affirmation, but like as humans, our love language is verbal affirmation. Like we need that. And I think so many times we just take it for granted. Like, oh yeah, of course they know, whatever. But it's like, no, actually we need to tell the people around us that we do love them, that we do appreciate them, that we do, you know, admire them. I feel like admiration is such a word that we just don't use anymore, but to admire someone is to let people know that like, actually, yeah, you inspire me and impact my life. Well, that's something for me, like I'm a pretty confident person, but like my family, so I'm very close with my family that I didn't know growing up. And I see them whenever I can't, every time I'm home, uh, we talk a lot and all that, but it dry and on my mom's side and then my dad's side, my, my biological dad, it's very hard for me because I'm not going to go into it. It's not necessary, but you both know how much I've done and accomplished in my life and the experiences. My family always acts like they don't. Eh. I'm like, show me anybody else that does this stuff. And you don't even act like it. Eh. But my brother, my one brother, you know, he did really good in this sport. Oh, look at him. He did this. And I'm like, I just met the president <laughs> and mm-hmm. you didn't even think it was, who cares? <laughs> It's because we feel the need to prove our worth. Like we need to- Absolutely. Prove, yeah, that's what it is. It's and if we don't- prove our worth, but Also for me, like it's to show that, that you acknowledge that, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Like I'm accomplishing things. You know, my, bro, my one sibling doing this or doing that. It's like, okay, great. But look what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and not to diminish their accomplishments and not to say that you need to, like I absolutely need it, but deep down I do. And I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't need some type of, I even like, and I will, one thing I will say in the positive, our generation is way better at showing affection and saying uh, um, affirmative things and just being a loving person in that way. The, the fathers of our generation, you, I love, love going to a grocery store, which I ever go, let's pretend I actually go to a grocery Okay, another store, uh, or I'm at a Starbucks, not anymore, <laughs> so bad for, you know, all that. But there's nothing better when I see a dad, not a dad and a mom, but a dad who's the one holding their kid. The dad yeah. is the one holding their son's hand. The dad who's there with their little girl somewhere. You know what I mean? We yeah. see this way more than we did before. And I think that's been an accomplishment in our generation that is helping. And I think it comes from the fact one, we've been taught through our friends and people in our lives that it's okay. But the other thing is we went through our parents not doing the greatest. Our generation of parents were doing a little better than their generation or their parents' generation. I think that's helping. And I think they know what it felt like not getting it enough growing up and they're trying to change that. And that's been definitely something that I've loved seeing. And I, there's not a friend in, that I have that I don't say I love them before I hang up. Yeah, it's true. It, and it's not because, and again, it's not because my friends don't know that I love them. It's because I think they need to hear it. First of all, I think they need to be reassured of the fact I love you. But I think the other part is you never know when you're going to die. So I don't want the last time I see them say, see ya. It drives me crazy when I hear people talk to like their mom or their, their, their wife or their husband. And they just say, okay, bye. And you'll call them out. Absolutely. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah. No, I think- let, me say, let me say one more thing that is not, is not necessarily just manliness, but it's also just society. One of the greatest encyclicals I think ever written, I bring this up every talk I give, is Caritas and Veritate, the last encyclical written by Pope Benedict. And the whole, the concept is truth and charity. And this is something I deal with on the 
regular. If I love someone, I want that person, number one, my responsibility in every relationship is what? To get them to heaven. So that is the dishwasher I meet on the street. That is the person from my building I see in the elevator. That is my relationship with both of you, my family. And one of the greatest things that I see we're struggling with right now is, is this church of nice mentality. It's like, I just want to be nice to everybody. I mean, it's not my place. You know, if my friend's going to be, if I, I have a couple friends who are gay that I've met through, actually through the seminary. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Awkward. But um, they're good people. I, I've been very honest with one in particular that if they were ever to be in a relationship and try to get married or, you know, I had a secondary note. I had a priest say something the other day, and I think I, I haven't come to a conclusion on it, but I do wonder if there's some truth to this is you can say that they're getting married. You can just say that they're not, uh, or they're having, excuse me. You can say that they're, they're having, you can call it a wedding, excuse me. But you just can't call it marriage because marriage is the sacramental part. The wedding. Right. We're, always, we're always like, well, gay wedding and put it in quotes. Well, He's like, you can still call it a wedding because it still technically is a wedding because you can do civil weddings, but you just can't call it a marriage because right. marriage is the sacramental part. I, I think that's a, a good distinction. Also marriage, like by definition is pe between a man and a woman. So it's kind of contradicts itself. That would be saying like the blue green grass. Exactly. Like, but he, my point is I would never even call it a wedding. We would not typically call it a wedding, but I think, I think he has some validity. I just haven't come to a conclusion. But anyway, but use an example. Say you have a gay friend who's getting married. You, as, a, as someone who loves that person, you would say, I can't go to your wedding. I can't because I love you. Because saying this, that I'm agreeing with this is not getting you to heaven. It's saying, and, and my, cons, and the thing, my, my, my uh, thesis in this is the fact that people say or go to things, people don't say things or call people out. I'm telling you right now, I've had a number of friends over the years from the military, especially who are unfaithful to their spouses. It's very common, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I call them out in a second, but I'm doing that because I love them. Right. Cause if I said nothing, if I even just sat there quietly, not saying I support it, but just quietly, what I'm saying is I am selfishly worried that if I say the truth to this person and do the right thing, that they're going to get mad at me and they're going to abandon me as a friend. They're not going to want to hear it. They're going to do whatever they want. And how dare you question my, what I'm doing. But the reason I'm not saying anything is because it's not because I love them and I want to continue being friends with them that way. It's because you don't lose that friendship. If you lose that friendship, it's all about you. I want this. I like this person. I enjoy being around so them. Selfish. It's a selfish act by not saying anything. It's a selfish act by being quiet and just being nice. That's not charitable. And That's Jesus wasn't nice. Jesus no. wasn't nice. Everyone, for, we've turned Jesus, especially the Protestants have turned Jesus into buddy Christ. He's your buddy. He's not your buddy. He's God and he loves you. He loves you. So in a, in a temple, he's going to start turning over tables and throwing fits. Yeah. And I, I just think that's a, a really, really important distinction because so many people just want to be nice. And it sounds like I didn't, I didn't see the post that you put up, Megan, but it sounds like that's what people are coming from. That whole thing they're doing is just being nice. If they want to wear a dress, if they want to do this, let them do it. I mean, it does, does it, it doesn't affect you. Yeah, but it does. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, the moment I hear, if I ever hear, which will never happen, if I ever hear Avery do any, I'd be like, you mother. <laughs> he knows you would too. He knows I, you'd lay it down. Okay, just go back. It's kind of funny to look at like a year and a half ago where things were. I didn't even know these two really well. They came on a thing on, I did a, a live on, on, on uh, Instagram. Instagram. So I didn't know Avery at all, except she brought him on to have him on for the discussion. And then he called. Somehow him and I talked later down the road on the phone 
And he's like, yeah, uh, at our wedding, we're just going to have a, we're not going to have a mass. We're just going to have the Catholic blessing and all that. And I, I don't even know. I think it's the second time I ever talked to him and I laid into him. About yeah. Well, can we talk about Austin? I love, um, I want to hear your opinion on this. I think we've had this conversation before, but baptized Catholics that don't actually get married in the church, you can't go to their wedding. I was just going to bring that up before I brought the Avery thing. In the last year, I have lost two very close friends because I wouldn't go to their marriage because it's not a marriage. I told both of them, both of them, one, not very Catholic, but Catholic and one pretty Catholic was a missionary and they both married Protestants. And I said, you can marry this woman, but you have to give dispensation. The church allows for it and it'll be a sacramental marriage. As long as you get this dispensation, it's a very simple, easy process. I told them how to do it, everything. Neither of them did it. I told both of them, I love you to death. I want you to go to heaven. This is not a marriage and it's not, it's, I can't go. It's not a sacrament. You don't even receive the special graces at the sacrament. Nope. This is selfish. And the other part is this also kind of shows that you're leaving the church. Yep. So I'm supposed to go and support that. No way. My best friend is a priest, his brother, his family is very devout. The same year he was ordained a priest. His sister became a Nashville Dominican. <laughs> I mean, they're a very devout Catholic family. And one of their children is not, has always been a uh, difficult person. And he married a Protestant. They got, they got, uh, he got engaged on the steps of the cathedral in Milwaukee and sent that to his parents. So it kind of led them, kind of let them believe, okay, he's going to do this right. He ended up getting married at a Methodist church. His brother and I both did not go to the marriage, to the wedding. His brother, his yeah. brother's a priest. I can't, he's like, I can't go support that. His parents weren't going to go because of that, but that, you know, out of, unity of family they have an, uh, an obligation to the church you can argue so oh really yes as the parents mm -hmm. um no and and we do i think that's something that's not talked about enough because it's like oh well you know i want to be there to support them like as a catholic person like why would you support just... them right and guess who doesn't go to mass at all anymore this person right so why would you go support that mm -hmm. but then uh, also on the other hand i'm like someone that that has a whole mass and stuff but they haven't stepped foot in church they haven't received sacrament of confession before their marriage they haven't been in church except for maybe a christmas and easter like here and there it's like okay but can i also support this sacramental marriage even though i know they haven't cleansed their soul beforehand or i know that they haven't been practicing the sacraments um you know I would argue going for to mass. Them because they're at least doing the right thing for their wedding they're at least showing that the door is open they're at least showing that there's there's they're not completely out right <laughs> they're not like totally out of the club they're just like hanging in the doorway well, priests you can talk to any priest one of their biggest frustrations is the people that are getting married in the church but are living together well they shouldn't be allowed they shouldn't my parish does not allow um couples to even enter into um marriage you know marriage prep if they're living together they say no you can't um, you can't get married here if you're living together so and see, that's a slippery slope because so many people have been poorly catechized where they think this thing, these things are okay or they didn't even know. So they can't, right. be, they can't be punished for ignorance either. So it's, it's this whole, we, at the, at, the, at the base for all these things, we, the church has a church only to blame because we have poorly catechized entire generations. Oh, yeah. It's priests. That's why I say priests and bishops going to be most, there's going to be so many in hell and it's sad. And, and when it's the same thing, like Jesus is nice. I'm like, I feel like it's a true statement to say that majority of people are in hell. I think it's a, a statement that can't be argued per se. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know, obviously, but it when it's I would say hard. A better statement, I'd say a better statement would be that it's a sad reality that you could almost think that a majority of people are in hell. Instead, there of, we go. instead of saying we know, because we don't want to, that, you know, that's the whole thing we don't ever know. I think a lot of people have been raised in these libby-dibby churches with libby-dibby priests who are the people that, uh, we have to talk about, the, not to go away from this, but the number, the reason Joe Biden was elected president is because of too many Catholics voted for him. The Catholic vote always decides presidencies. Mm-hmm. That's a sad reality. And it's, it's true. Very, the Catholic vote always decides presidencies. Yeah. It's just a sad reality. But to go back to the manly part, just to kind of put a, a thing on it, it's women, the women that are listening to this, I want you to know one important factor. You are a beloved daughter of God. You deserve somebody who loves you. And I don't mean loves you for the things you give him and the way he's attracted to you and all those things, but loves you because he wants you to be a saint. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make you a saint. Right. That's love. That's a man. A man is somebody who can hug his child. A man is somebody who can be the, the one that tucks the kids to bed and reads a book to them. Because at and the end of the day, the most important role of the father is to get his family to heaven. That's it. The father is the head of the household. Doesn't mean he's your boss. But the father's role is to ensure that his family has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know a man? The man is the, the number of people I know, of fathers I know, that get up before their family does, goes to the church to pray a holy hour. That's a man. That's a man. That gives me chills. Yeah. And it's a man, like, I think, too, when I love seeing in church, where there's like seven kids, the mother and um, father are sitting next to each other in the pew, because I think that's very important that when you're sitting in a pew, it's the husband and wife sitting next to each other and then the kids. It's not the kids in the middle of the husband and father. I think that's very distinctive. But when something, when one of the kids act up, the father takes the child out of the mass because he knows that the mother needs the spiritual, like she needs to be in church. And yes, the father does too, but I just admire it so much that the mm -hmm. father immediately takes the kid out of the church and doesn't wait for the mother to struggle. Yeah. Cause the mother's not the, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think that is, and that, that happens a lot. You see, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a beautiful thing to, to, to witness. Um, but if a father, you, you can look at, all my years in seminary, um, I would have old ladies come up to me and say, pray for their family. And I'd say, why? And they would say, my kids aren't Catholic, aren't practicing anymore. And I, the first question I'd ask them is, did your husband go to church with you? And 99.9% .9 of the time they said sometimes or no. Mm -hmm. You have to think, is the man that you're talking to going to marry? If I died tomorrow, would he bring our kids to church? Well, the proof, the, the, the statistics don't lie. If a father doesn't go to mass, those are the, usually the, 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 the kids that end up leaving church, leaving the church because their father didn't go. Their father didn't set the example. Mom's always going to go. She's the one. No, mom's super religious. Mom's, mom's very Catholic. That's what they yeah. say. But dad, you know, he went on Christmas. Yeah. The other thing I would say is I am really frustrated with the number of people that marry non-Catholics and think it's all going to work out. It's so, so stupid. And yes, I said stupid. I know there's people listening. That, so stupid. <laughs> I know that, that there are plenty of people listening who probably did marry a Protestant or a non-religious person and it all worked out and that's great. There are plenty of examples where that's happened, but it's, it's the, it's the few it's, it's the, it's not the normal minority. Yeah. Yeah. It's the minority. And we have to just be real. We have to be real what's happening in our church and what's happening in our society. And ours is, as our society goes more and more liberal and crazy, 
we have to remind people that we are the example. We are supposed to be the ones. We're the ones literally founded by Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility to be an example. Mm-hmm. And, and I think have- it, it does start, it, it starts with men. It does. And, but also at the same time, it starts with men, women because women need to set the standard. They need to set the standard and men will rise. But if women don't set the standard, then men just get off kind of like slur- scurrying away because there's no standard for them. They're like, oh, I can still get this without rising to here because the woman never set the, set the bar. Mm-hmm. So I think it is this cycle, but women absolutely need to set the bar and, and set boundaries for what they're going to handle because you know, there's a lot of women that said, oh, a manly man is like when he calls instead of texts or when he makes the first move um, or when, you know, he- I mean, those are all your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, but like these women are like, oh, when he like pays, opens doors, pays for dates, walks on the roadside of the sidewalk. Like these are all things people yes. said. Chivalry is good, but that's not the primary responsibility. That is not the primary goal. It's just have a really good man. Responsibilities have a man who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It is. And a man that will, and someone said, I've mentioned this before we started recording is a manly man is a man who cries during adoration. And I love how specific that is because when I see that I'm like, there is nothing more attractive than a man that has a true relationship with Jesus, not just a going. And that, but that all comes from that stuff I mentioned earlier about the daddy issues. We have to understand. And I talk about this a lot all the time for men and women really, but men need it is understanding our place and our relationship, understanding that we are beloved children of God. Mm-hmm. Understanding the fact that we are loved. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there who are loved who don't think they are because they don't feel it. They're never told. And I think the more I've learned about love languages, which in the beginning I thought was super fluffy and who cared, the more I learned about that stuff, I see how important it is. And, and yep. did you see that um, short video of the coat? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to post this, guys. Megan, did you watch it? It's so good. I made Avery watch it, too. And he, he went, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, I had put it on my story. It was um, a one-minute short film, and it was an animation of this coat, this trench coat. And he's like, you watch the trench coat go through the storm, like drip water. It's like hanging on the clothesline. The trench coat's like hanging from one um, one arm, and then it gets sunny out. And then all of a sudden the coat opens and there's like a beautiful dress and like children clothes that come out of the coat. And it's like the coat was protecting the family through the storm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. I, I was I had like teary eyes. I'll post, I'll put it on the show notes so you guys can watch it. Um, I will tell you, and let me, that's awesome. I want to watch it, but let me tell you something else that I just thought of while, while you were talking about that. There are two people in particular in both of your lives, uh, Avery being one, and then there's another guy. Um, oh my gosh! I can't say um, <laughs> both of those people are literally epitomes of what a man is. Yeah. Like not even a guy. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I'm saying I was thinking about. It, I'm like, who? Are, I know two right now. Uh, both serve in the military. Not saying that makes you manly, but both gun-toting like, dudes. Like Avery. <laughs> well, not, I'm not saying that part, but I'm saying like Avery is like all of his Instagram is about him doing something on a truck and like <laughs> shooting and going out camping. And it's like, bro, so he's got that part in him, but he's the same guy that I could sit there. Him and I could sit there for hours and talk about our feelings about stuff. And, and yeah. like, you see him always when a lot of your stories are him with Carrie, like yeah, he's getting up, praying, reading the book. Like he's, 
he's got it. And then the other guys every, every day goes to holy hour mass, uh, doing things himself. Like it's, these are people that I think are, I think at whenever you're comfortable, um, these are guys. Oh my, Austin's over here winking. See, I'm trying to do <laughs> quietly and just, and you know, but, but I'm the just listeners saying. are going to be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Who just, is this secret guy? <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him Mr. K. But um, <laughs> um, I just think that there are plenty of examples of men who are just really setting the tone. And I think we don't ever know how much of an impact we have on people than like being in a restaurant and family and another person seeing how that dad is doing and handling his kids. Or prayed before the meal. Exactly. Because the thing is, we have a lot of holy people. Um, and I, I upset people when I say this, but we really need to have normal people mm-hmm. setting the tone and showing people of Catholic faith living their life in a real way. I've seen so many conversions come from people just being real with people and being able to emote and also be normal. Be um, in the world. You have to be in the world, but not of it. Absolutely. I mean, we hear it all the time, but like, um, the, like the culture is like people in our secular and anything just as humans, we're attracted to beauty and we're attracted to just like normalcy and relatability. So we need to be relatable and if we're ever going to evangelize, but also if we're going to invite people to change, we must first invest in ourselves to then inspire others. And then only we can invite people into it. Absolutely. But I'm just saying it's exciting for me to know a lot. And that's, I don't think any of my friends, I would say, don't set that, that example. And it's because at the end of the day, besides we've talked about the manliness with family and how husbands have to be husbands and fathers, fathers, but that's not the, the goal is for us to evangelize the world and to be an example to the world. So having those things in the other thing I want to say, I want to say one last thing uh, that you talked about earlier, CC, that is true. The thing with church, as our vocation is concerned, our primary vocation as if we're married with kids is not to be a father. Our primary vocation is to be a husband. Yes, that needs to be distinguished. Yep, yep. I posted about this once before and someone was like, how could you be so selfish? So you're saying if your baby is crying, you're not going to go get it and you're going to spend time with your husband? I was like, not what that means. <laughs> uh. Primary vocation is to be a husband. Your secondary vocation is to be a father. Because you marry your wife first. She is your first vocation. Yeah. Yep. I so love that. Be, there has to be an understanding of the fact that I have to take time to be a husband. Yes, marriage is difficult. Or excuse me, marriage and, and having children is difficult. But the first priority is to take care of my marriage. Not saying not feed my baby because me and my wife are having our me time. That's not what we're talking about. Yep. We're talking about too many people get busy with their, their lives and everyone's child is like a prince and princess these days. And they have to be in 15 different sports and they have to do all these things. And that's all we do. So we never have time for each other. That is wrong. And the kids will see it. Yeah. And that's what the kids see the parents love each other and take care of each other and be celebrating their primary vocation. The kids, it means more and it makes you a better parent. No, yep. it's so important. And that's what I mean by like the parents sitting next to each other in the pew is because it actually visibly demonstrates for the children that no, actually our parents' marriage between God comes first and then we, we come, but and it doesn't our mean- marriage, God has gifted us children. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're going to ignore them and not discipline them during mass. It just means that it's- I, I like how you went right for, we're not, it doesn't mean we're not going to discipline them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how, how, uh, how important I feel like discipline is for children. It's something I'm yes. extremely passionate about. You know, Cecilia. <laughs> <laughs> I like cannot wait to discipline my children. I like, it's something I've like dreamed about. Like I already know exactly because I've nannied for so long, you know, I'm like, I know it works. I know it doesn't work. Um, but real quick, before we close it up, I want to mention Megan Ashley. Um, she has this book called The Catholic Wardrobe Musings from a Personal Stylist. And I was just kind of looking around her website and she had, she really outlined four parts of the book that are beautiful. She goes, um, number one is finding your inspiration from, the, from Mother Mary. Number two, practical steps to develop your personal style. Number three, how to easily build a beautiful wardrobe using basic style building blocks that will flatter your personality and figure. And number four is why incorporating sacramentals is important to how we bring the Catholic faith uh, to your closet. So I absolutely love that. Check out her page, check out her starter pack special, um, and you can get a free pack free, free copy of the book. When you sign up for personal styling, you can use the code beautify my wardrobe and I'll put all the details in our show notes, but Thank you, Austin. Seriously, thank you. Um, from the Basic Catholic, I'll pop his Instagram handle in our show notes as well. But Austin, you're amazing. I feel like people don't actually know your name from social media. So I'm just going to be like, True. and it's Austin. It is Austin. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the thing is like, I share a lot of my life, a lot more than a lot of people do, I think sometimes. But like when I sh- showed my apartment, if you notice, I've showed only the outside. I've never showed anybody on the inside because I need to have, it's important to know yourself and to have something left for yourself. Right. Right. I just want to say thank you to both of you. Uh, the Godparent show. This was exciting. Um, <laughs> um, she was screaming the whole time, which is why you guys pretty much never hear me talk, but. Well, uh, as godmothers, so Cecilia can come down there and punish her for you. It sounds like. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Any diocese listening to this, obviously you don't want to say working with your youth group and sounds like <laughs> to the wall. Sit on the wall, <laughs> uh, no, do seriously. a squat. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, knowing both of you as well as I do, you are doing such a good job of being normal and holy and showing people that you are going to have such an effect on young women to know their own value and as beloved daughters of God and to be amazing wives and mothers in the future. So know that you are uh, doing a very good service for the church and you are beloved. Austin, thank you so much. We love you. And we'll- I just thought you said I was so manly that I'm the one picked for this. This is good for my ego. <laughs> no, I was like, Austin knows how to, he's just, when I think of manly men, I'm like, Austin knows what a manly man is. And he, he knows what it is. <laughs> he knows what it, he may not be one, but he knows what it is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> have you seen that beard? He's a manly man. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it. I, I might get COVID, unfortunately, because I have this, because you can't seal your mask. Oh my gosh. Goodbye. This is where we end it. This is where we end it. We will talk to you later. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks a ton for listening to the What in the Dang Heck podcast. Make sure to call our hotline at 312-775-2615 and share your heck yes or heck no moment. Subscribe, leave a rate and review, and might as well follow us on our Instagrams while you're at it. See you next week.
dang, 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 it a dang. I said a dang, 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 it a dang. I said a dang, 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 it a dang. I said a dang, 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 it a dang. I said a dang, 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 it a dang. I said a dang, 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 it a dang. What in the dang heck?